Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Utah's own Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. I am your host, Pastor Steve, and we are so delighted that you can join us today. Uh, Listen, if this is your first time um, listening to the broadcast, we want to say welcome and let you know that here at Shouts of Grace Radio, what we do is we take biblical concepts and um, scripture, and we apply a biblical worldview, give them meaning in today's life. And so we hope that you enjoy the broadcast as well. If this is your first time and you enjoy it and you'd like to catch up on past broadcasts, we invite you to visit our website at shoutsofgraceradio.com. That's shoutsofgraceradio.com. And there are 96 episodes. We are approaching our 100th episode here in the next couple of weeks. So there's 96 you can uh, you can trouble your soul with and, and catch up on everything that we've been talking about over the last year and a half and and hope that that's a blessing to you. And if you are a return listener, we want to say thank you uh, for your support and um, and invite you to continue to listen. And also, if you are in the northern Utah County area and you don't have a church uh, to visit, why not stop by Redemption Hill Church there in Saratoga Springs? Uh, Shouts of Grace Radio is the radio ministry of Redemption Hill, and we'd love to meet you and say hi to you. Um, as many of you know, if you are have, have been listening for a while, we um, like to dive into God's Word here and kind of pull out practical meanings. And, and we have different guests on and di- different pastor friends of mine. And so today I have on the phone with me uh, Pastor Brian Catherman of Redeeming Life Church. Um, in Is it in Salt Lake, Brian? It's in Salt Lake. We also are reaching into Bountiful and North Salt Lake and uh, the, the southern part of Davis County and the northern part of Salt Lake County. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for being on the broadcast today. I know you've been on before and in um, you know, we, we, we run in the same circles come, uh, both our church planters come from the same, from the same sending church. And so it's a, it's, it's a blessing. I know you have an actual podcast as well that you run. Isn't that right? That's correct. Salty Believer Unscripted. And I do that with a mutual friend of ours as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Brian, today— I think last time I was—Steve, I think last time I was on, we, we said, hey, we need to get you on that podcast. And we still haven't <laughs> made that work out. So we need to work on that. We'll, we'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it. So, hey, Brian, today what I want to do is I, I want to take something that's that's kind of a little controversial, you know, in the sense that, you know, when we talk about truth today, it's, you know, it's real— it's, you know, becomes in, in a lot of people's eyes, something that's just relevant, you know, and, and it's just kind of wherever you want to land on the spectrum of truth, that's your truth. And, and as Christians, we, we have a very different view of that. And so what I wanted to do is kind of read a scripture out of second Timothy chapter three, verse 16, and then have you kind of unpack it for us and, and really look at the importance of of God's word and why the Bible is the primary, the the single most important source of truth for the Christian, as opposed to maybe um, you know a person's emotions or feelings or whatever else. And so here here's what it says, Brian. It says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete." equipped for every good work. Brian, why is the Bible important to the Christian? Well, without the Bible, there really wouldn't be a Christian. Hmm. And, and I think we need to be really aware that that Christianity is a faith that depends on the revelation of God. And, and that's 
I think what today it seems like we're getting away from that, but that's not new. We've gotten away from that in, in every century of Christianity. There's been a temptation that people would want something other than scripture because when they unpack scripture, then there's a sense that there's a there's a sense of conviction and God's word might be showing us his mind and his heart, which is against our sinful nature, which is actually part of the rescue plan that would bring us back into reconciliation with God as we read in 2 Corinthians 5. And so and so sometimes our flesh doesn't like that, our desires don't like that. We want to call the shots. We don't want God to call the shots. And so we desire to say, well, maybe we can have Christianity without God's revelation, without his word. And and that's, you know, I'm just going to, I know it's a little controversial, but I'll say it's kind of nonsense thinking because uh, I'll do this. So um, uh, a pastor I once heard was talking about the illustration that people would say, you know, faith or spirituality is like four blind men that walk up and they start to feel an elephant. And one person feels the trunk and they say, you know, this thing that we feel is like a great tree. And another person says, no, 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 it's not that. Uh, he feels the tail. It's more like a rope. And then someone else feels the, the ear and says, it's more like a big fan. And some, you know, so they all kind of have this different perspective from what they're encountering. The problem is, with many other religions of the world, that may be true, that we're just sort of guessing with what we're getting a hold of. But in Christianity, if we were to take the illustration to where Christianity resides, the elephant speaks and says, I'm an elephant. I have big legs, a tail, I have this, I have that. And, and so that's what the Bible is for us. It's God, as we're trying to explore and know him, saying, this is who I am. This is how you have a relationship with me. This is, this is what Christianity is. And so when you say, is the Bible important to Christianity, I would say it's the foundation of Christianity. You can't have Christianity without the revelation of Christ in the Bible, without the revelation of God in the Bible. And so that's why we hold on to it. That's mm. why we study it. That's why it's a big deal. That's why it is God-breathed and it completes man like you just read in that scripture. Hmm. You know, it's a big deal. It, it says it says in Hebrews that of the Word of God that it is active and living, and and why why is it important that we understand the Bible as something that's active and living and not just simply some reference book? Well, because it's because it's a so first of all, I I like to take that back to John. Uh, chapter one, the first 18 verses are, of course, great to look at, but you go to even the first verse, and there's a picture that there's this word, okay, and the word was with God, the word was God, the word was in the beginning, there's a, a tie back to Genesis, that word is the revelation, and then Christ himself is that revelation, and so unlike a book that was written in history that's fixed in history, this book sort of has a, a dual thing going on where, yes, the narrative, the events that played out, they happened in an actual time, in an actual place. We can go do archaeology. We can find those places. We can walk the same places that the people existed, that we can figure out the dates. I mean, like, it's a re it's a, it's a narrative fixed in time. However, it's a revelation to people for all time. And so as it's playing out, the Explain idea the difference of that. Explain the difference in that to the listeners, because I think they might have a hard time understanding. Some, some view it as, hey, this is just a reference book, but, but you just hit on a real key point. It's actually a revelation. What do you mean by that? So what, what I mean is um, it's, a, it's like a letter. Now, yes, there's, there are specifically a genre of letter. There's poetry. There's prophecy. But it's like um, a letter of the creator letting his creation know of his existence. So he's saying, mm -hmm. this is, this is my, I'm revealing myself to you. C.S. Lewis once said that, that Hamlet never could have known 
of the existence of Shakespeare, the creator of the play Hamlet. His very creator is the author of his existence. Mm. Unless Shakespeare were to write himself into the play, then Hamlet could meet Shakespeare, his creator. But if, if Shakespeare never revealed wow. himself as the creator of Hamlet, this is C.S. Lewis, you know, then Hamlet would never know of his existence. So we have a God who's written himself into creation through this, I'll use the word again, revelation. He's revealing himself in who he is. If he didn't do that, we'd never know who he was. We'd have no, no reality of him. And so that's what I mean when I say this revelation. And it's continuing to speak generation after generation because God is using this inspired word, meaning that, that he, through the authors, said this is kind of what I want to be written through these different authors of their different styles. This inspired word is this continual revelation. So when we, we can go and read things that were fixed in history. Now we can go back to the Exodus, for example. But that revelation is still showing us a God that we want to meet, and he wants to meet us, and he wants to bring us salvation and redeem us and reconcile us back to him because we're separated from him. Like He's showing us even today from events, which by the way, he providentially put together as part of that revelation so that we could encounter him. Hmm. You know, Brian, when uh, when you talk to people about the Bible, and, and, and you're a pastor, and so you know this, one of the things you, you'll, you'll hear people say is, I just don't understand it, right? I just don't get it. It's hard for me to read. It's the, the complexity of it. I just don't. If, if you had to just explain what the Bible was about without, you know, just bypassing all the complexity that people say is there, what is the basic message of these 66 books that we call Holy Scripture? So it's, I, I see it as one, yes, 66 books, one story. And the one story is God's rescue plan to redeem people who rejected him. While we are his enemy, he makes us his friends, hmm. right? So the whole story from start to finish is kind of how that whole thing played out um, and is still playing out and will be taking us to this this eternal city of glory and and how all that works and so i'm just going to give a little shout out to one of my favorite tools for that for people who've never uh, read the bible so i think i think what ties people up is they don't have uh, they don't have somebody to sort of show them how to get started in that so we get confused because the bible is the way we have it in our western english readers is it's it's canonized meaning like here's the 66 books all together kind of like a library so the books are put in 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 the Bible according to genre in the Old and New Testaments. You have all these narrative books, then you have all these artistic and poetry books together, then you have all the prophets. So if you read it in chronological order, you see how this narrative ties to this piece of poetry, ties to this prophet, then ties to the New Testament books, then the history. So chronologically reading a Bible uh, is really helpful. If you've never read the Bible, read it chronologically. But if you've never read the Bible, we love uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's yes, it's a kid's Bible. I get it. So uh, this isn't to be offensive for people, but I love it. I just read it with my daughter this morning and I still go, wow, this is so great because it's showing the, the thread of salvation, the, the redemption of God through the whole thing. And the, the subtitle of the book is every story whispers his name. And they're talking about Jesus. So the whole Bible, as Jesus points out in Luke 24, is actually about Jesus. And so the, the, the thread here is this whole thing from start to finish is about this great rescuer and how we can be a part of that great rescue plan. Hmm, that's amazing. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve. At Shouts of Grace Radio, we're thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah on the airwaves with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. 
Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org, and your support of Key Radio makes programs like Shouts of Grace Radio possible. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's conversation. We're on the phone with a friend of mine, Brian Catherman. He is the pastor at Redeeming Life Church in Salt Lake City. And we have been talking, having a discussion about the importance of Scripture. And before we went to that break, uh, Brian was just talking about what the message of Scripture was, kind of from beginning to end. And if you and, and if you break it down to this, it's irreducible minimum. It really is about this broken creation being rescued by this holy God. And, 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 and Brian, before... Um, um, before we broke, um, you, you were kind of diving into this area. And so wh- what I want to kind of do is kind of return back to that for a second, because when you talk about redemption, right, um, God's story and, and, and how man fell, um, can, can you kind of weave through, and I mean, I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, you know, um, can, can you show the, the, the harmony Throughout the books, I'm not asking you to go through every 66 books, but if you can kind of think in your mind this idea of how God weaves redemption through the brokenness of man, um, or in spite of the brokenness of man, all the way through Scripture, maybe take us some places in Old Testament, New Testament, because because I think it's fascinating what you said, as you said that it's it's a story, it's one story. There's a lot of different books, but the story is really about Jesus, and Jesus actually even said, right? He said, "You search the Scriptures," he told the Pharisees, because you think then in them you have life, but they speak about me. And so show us what is meant. There's different typologies. You see Christ. I mean, if you were in Luke 24, walking on that road to Emmaus, what might have you heard from Jesus sharing just to show the commonality and how scripture is 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 harmonious because oftentimes what you hear from critics as well you know it's it's so fragmented and the god of the old testament is different from the god of the new testament the god of the old testament is wrath the god of the new testament is love you know what would you say in showing jesus weaves through the scriptures when i hear things like that a lot of times i say have you not really read your bible i mean like hmm. like there is so much grace in the old testament it is unreal like I, I was just reading my morning devotional this morning and then i'll then i'll go to your question but this morning i was just like you know, I'm in Numbers, and I've gone through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, and I can't tell you how many times the people have said, you know, oh, we're doomed, we're going to die, we don't want to follow this guy. And then so many times God comes back and he's providing as he's saving, I mean, physically saving them from slavery and bondage from the Egyptians, which they asked for, they were crying out for. And they're complaining the whole time. And I'm thinking, this God, who people think the Old Testament is the God of wrath, is so unbelievably gracious that he has not just killed all these people That's right. because if it were me i'd be so annoyed with the continual ungratitude and lack of 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 thanks and trust but anyway to get to your question i would say there's lots of there's lots of these themes that play out but i think that the redemptive history theme uh really starts right off the bat you see creation so god creates uh, the garden. He wants to have a, a beautiful relationship with mankind, that mankind would worship him and find their greatest joy in worshiping him. So it wasn't some kind of weird, you know, like I just want to be the center of everything, but like we all can find our greatest joy in that. And yet, uh, man, just like we all do, turns her back on God in the creation. So Adam and Eve sin, and there's the fall. And then fascinating, here's what you see. It's, it's a uh, there's a real sort of technical term for this. It's called the Proto-Evangel, the first gospel. But it's in Genesis chapter 3, and it is about Jesus. And then we're going to see from here uh, just all the rest of what's going to happen. But if you go to Genesis 3, uh, verse 15, 
so so God is now speaking to this to the serpent that was the tempter to Adam to Eve and saying that because of sin this is the consequences. He says I will put hostility between you talking to Satan and the woman. So God puts his hostility there and between your offspring and her offspring. But then it says this, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And that he is clearly clearly pointing to a specific person now hmm. in genesis 3 it's not saying this is jesus christ he's going to die on the cross he's going to you know it's not saying that it's just the first hinting that this is the solution to the problem and then as we go you constantly see so even as we move right from there um as there's a sin problem god is continually pouring into that sin problem blessing the people and from that he calls out of the people uh, abraham abram who he changes his name to abraham and says i need to create for myself a people and these people will eventually pre be priests to the world to declare this message and from these people the rescuer comes so he calls for himself Abraham and says I'm gonna make a people for myself they end up in bondage uh, just through a series of events as we follow along kind of what's happening and, and they're now in bondage in Egypt and they're crying out and through all those little threads you see how God is working the whole time right he's just continually working it along so you see a little picture of what a bigger salvation to come is as God says look I'm gonna save these people physically and I'm going to be their God. Okay, so he, he draws them out. He's growing a people. Eventually, the people are continually becoming sinful, but they want a king. Uh, they don't want to trust that God is their king. They need someone to speak for them. So God's raising up prophets to reveal himself to them, to reveal his will. will. And he's going to create a nation of people for the very purpose of this rescue plan. And from that nation, this great rescue will, rescuer will come. And so, uh, I mean, I'm just really passing over tons of stuff sure. here. But the people are continually sinful, just like I talked about with the people of Exodus, just like the people of Israel. They, I mean, so he's constantly shaping them, and they're just struggling to trust him, which is helpful for us because we have the same problem, right? We need the same solution. We need the grace of God, which we see now in our time, later in the story, really, really profoundly manifested in Christ. But anyway, they're going along, looking for this rescuer, learning as they're going. More and more about the rescue is continually being revealed to them. Look for this, do this, live in this way, be these people in this way. This is who I am, and I want you to see this. And it's all, the, the, the revelation is all coming through, for the most part, it's coming through prophets of that day. It also came when Moses was face-to-face -face with God, as a, as a person speaks to a friend, the word says. Um, God wrote some things specifically in his own hand. But for the most part, it's coming through through prophets in the Old Testament. But God is continually saying, the better is to come, the better revelation in Christ, who's going to be the perfect lamb, this whole rescue plan. So then the, the last prophet we, we've ever had was John the Baptist. Uh, and, and other prophecies said he'd be the one calling out in the wilderness, preparing the way. When Jesus enters the scene, and now we're into the New Testament, when Jesus enters the scene, the rescue plan has begun. You know, And, and so hmm. we're building up to this catalytic moment. Jesus is here. And then when you read through the Gospels, all that this rescue plan entails, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, then Jesus says, look, it doesn't, it's not like we're all just immediately rescued in that moment. It's done. There's a world that needs to hear this hope and good news. So then, then we see Jesus saying, I'm going to put my spirit in you. I've got to go so the better can come. The Holy Spirit's going to dwell in you. So now you don't need a prophet to speak for me. You have my revelation, the word that's been written down. And God said, look, write this in a book so we can all go back to it, read it, study, hear from God's word. And then we have the spirit in us to help us to interpret that and understand it if we're God's people, um, if he saved us. And so now you see how those people are joining Jesus in the rescue plan. 
Luke 19, 10, he says he came to seek and save the lost. They're joining in the plan to proclaim this message of hope that one day all of God's people would eventually be in this eternal city with God forever rescued and redeemed. Wow. And all of that is to God's glory. Now, that's a... This is a monstrous thread. We just right. we just rocked through like sixty six <laughs> books, but but when you go so if you know that thread, when you go to a prophet, and you're like, what what is this thing about redeeming people out of exile when they're in physical exile? What's the bigger thing? How do, how does how does we how do we see this playing out between Genesis, the cross of Christ, and today going through the road of what this prophet was saying then, you know? Hmm. And we go, oh wow. This this isn't just some isolated moment. We can't we can't see this like that. We got to see it in this big picture, in this big this big rescue plan story. Hmm. That's amazing, man. I I love that. I love that. You know, um, we got about two and a half three minutes left. Um, Brian, what do you say to the person that says, "How do I know the Bible really is the Word of God? That's your truth, not mine. Prove it to me." Okay. So first of all, I don't bother to prove that to people anymore. <laughs> because I because their statement proves the word of God is true to me. So it's really up to God, I think, to show them. So in Deuteronomy, we see uh, God says, I can't remember the exact verse, but he says, like, you, up to now, you've never had eyes to see or ears to hear. And then we see that theme play out many, many times. People that, that are in their own rejection of God, he doesn't seem to open their eyes very well. They just don't see this thing. And yet if we, we come to him in his humble heart to say, show me, it's amazing how suddenly he pulls back this this you know the scales from our eyes. He opens up our ears. There's a there's a psalm about God boring holes in our heads so we can hear. Jesus constantly says, "If you have ears to hear, if you have eyes to see, you know." And so, really, what happens is when we see people go, "I just don't buy it. I don't believe it. Prove it to me." I go, "Well, you're never going to see it because you don't have eyes or ears. But if mm. you pray and start opening it and hearing, God, like Jesus says, my disciples hear my voice and they follow me. So there's a sense of like until you hear it, you're not going to follow. So I just say, let's just read it together." Um, go through John. John at the end of the book of John, he puts out his thesis. I wrote this so that you would know that Jesus is the Savior, and you would believe and trust in Him and have life in His mm. name. That's mm. right at the like second to last chapter. So I just say, let's just read that. He yeah. says that's what he's written it to do. Let's read the book of John together and see if God might open our eyes and ears. And it's amazing when that happens with people. Yeah, that is man. Uh, it's I've just seen amazing. That. I've seen that as well. It's amazing. You know, also I would add that I would, I would add this is, you know, if, when, when people are looking for this kind of, you know, imperial evidence and stuff, you know, it, it isn't as if God hasn't provided. I mean, Ro Romans one tells us that that which can be clearly known about God is seen. I mean, you can, you don't, you, you don't need God to prove himself to you. Just look out into creation. But, but there are some things, particularly in the Bible where, you know, I look at, for instance, it's, it's power, right? When you take the word and you apply it to to your life, it, it has life-changing power. I look at its historical value. You look at its authenticity. You look at its prophetic value. I mean, if if you want the evidence, it's like you said, you know, if you want the evidence, but the evidence isn't going to convince anybody, right? It ultimately is going to be God um, talking to them and revealing um, himself to them. And so anyway, um, you know, Brian, we're almost out of time, man. This, this has kind of flown by. <laughs> So we gotta we we gotta do this on a more regular basis because we just scratched the surface. There's so much. What versions do we listen? Do 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 we do? What does it mean by it? it's the final court of arbitration and all that stuff? And so maybe what I can do is I can have you back on the broadcast and and we could have part two of this and we can kind of sew it up. That'd be awesome. Awesome, yeah, man. Well, hey, real quick in, in in the next ten seconds, tell us about your church. Where do you guys meet? Uh, we're off Redwood Road, uh, the north side of Redwood Road, kind of between Rose Park and Foxboro, if you're in the area, Salt Lake City, Redeeming Life Church, redeeminglifeutah.org uh, is the website. We'd love to have people come visit us, and if they want to come and talk about 
what we're talking about in this program, man, I would that's like one of my favorite topics on awesome. to talk about. Love it, man. Hey, thanks for being on. Appreciate you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace Radio is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us here at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.